Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Tuesday morning, two weeks out from town meeting day. It is coming up fast now. And who, if Lee Morgan knows that as well as anybody, right, Lee? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, hi, folks. Uh, thank you, Kurt and Anthony, for having me back. Very happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. To happy have to have you back, Thanks. and we particularly like that you are so upbeat about being here. We like that. <laughs> I know. That's what I, Kurt's like. Remember, I was like, yeah, I remember when he was here. It's just a great conversation. <laughs> great. Yeah, you know, I have to say, coming here has definitely been one of the highlights of the campaign season. Big fan. Been listening for a long time. Wow, well, that's you. great to hear, and we love people coming in and taking the questions and being upbeat about it as well. It's it's a, it's great. So, uh, so Lee, it is two two weeks from today. It is coming up fast. And tell us about your campaign over these last uh, couple of months here in uh, securing this spot and trying to win the seat to, to represent Ward 7 on the city council. What have you been doing to win this? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it has really flown by. Everyone told me they're like, you know, enjoy every moment that you can. Campaign season really uh, flies by. And it has. So I started campaigning uh, in November before the caucus season. And the main part of my campaign has been door knocking. Uh, so my campaign totaled our numbers. And last week, I think it was, uh, we knocked 1,700 doors. But, you know, we've been knocking wow. every day since then. So, so the number constantly climbs. Hundreds of conversations with neighbors. Um, it's, you know, just the, the key part of my campaign and why I'm doing this is my neighbors. You know, I'm here for, for my community. And so, yeah, just it's been great connecting with people, hearing their priorities. And what are you hearing from people as you knock on doors? And when you say knock on doors, sometimes candidates will say that to me. And what they really mean, I'm not suggesting this is yours. Sometimes it's been they're knocking on doors. They're just putting the literature on the door and, and not really wait, trying to talk to the voters. Right. You, have you actually been knocking on doors waiting for the person to come to the door and talk to them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and so, okay. And so that's that's real door knocking. What are you what are you hearing from people? What are their major concerns that they're telling you about? You know, I, I think it, the resounding answer is public safety. I think that's a surprise to no one. Uh, so, yeah, uh, New North Enders are concerned about public safety, also concerned about our housing crisis. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about this is these issues are all interwoven um, as far as I see them. And I think it's going to uh, require a real multi-pronged approach. All right. Uh, let's, what is that multi-pronged approach entail sure so you know public safety when when i knock on someone's door and they say they're concerned about public safety i really like to lean into that and and really talk about what they mean by that because public safety means something different to, to almost anybody you talk to and so you know for some people they're concerned about the increase in petty theft we're seeing and in and, and crime car theft stuff like that for some people when they talk about public safety what they're talking about is our unhoused crisis and people living on the streets uh, and for other people they're talking about the opioid crisis and so for me i see you know housing and affordability which is one of the top three things on my platform is a key part of addressing public safety so right now we have uh you know a frankly unacceptable number of people sleeping on the streets and we have no sheltering options for those folks we do not have the sheltering capabilities to shelter all these folks uh we also have an extremely low vacancy rate. 
And that also dry, drives up the cost of housing uh, and rents. So, you know, for me, uh, building more housing is a key part of this. We need to house everybody. Everybody who wants to sleep under a roof tonight should be able to. And frankly, we can't accommodate that. And we also uh, need to address this opioid crisis. I think, you know, that's something for me. So as as I've, I'm sure I've told you folks, and a lot of people know this by now, so I am formerly unhoused. I'm also over 15 years in recovery. So for me, this is a personal issue. I see myself in a lot of these folks. And uh, I feel like what I can bring to the council that I'm not seeing is a sense of urgency. Talking to Lee Morgan, she is running for Ward 7 City Council in Burlington. The McKenzie Country Classic Hotline is open. If you have a question for Lee, give us a call. All we ask is that you be respectful and that it's a serious question. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Um, I have a question for Lee. Um, His drop-off literature says you want to start safe injection sites. You want free public transportation. You want to continue with free needles. That, oh, by the way, they thank us for these clean needles by leaving their dirty needles everywhere. You want to expand the REIB office, which, oh, by the way, is paid for with ARPA funds, which is ending. My question is, how are you proposing this all that's paid for? Thank you. How do you pay for all this? Excellent question, and I'm so glad this question got brought up because it highlights one of my key priorities if I get elected to the council is getting on the Board of Finance. So we're losing a huge asset on the Board of Finance in Karen Paul, who is a CPA. So we're losing that experience. I have gained uh, lots of experience being on the Parks, Recreation, and Waterfront Commission, helping to manage millions of dollars in public and private funds. So I come with that experience of, We have these things we need to pay for. How do we do it? And the good news is there's lots of ways to pay for these things. You know, I know everyone is feeling the squeeze right now with property taxes, you know, and especially we have a couple ballot items that might increase that. So, you know, I think the truth is we don't have to keep doing business as usual and paying for everything with property taxes. We are going to be losing our ARPA funds. That's an important thing to consider. And I feel like the city is not utilizing all the funds we can. You know, every year there are funds that are earmarked in the federal and state budget that I know we're not capturing all of it. And so we need folks on the Board of Finance to really look at what are the things we need to pay for. We got a lot to do in Burlington and and how we can pay for those. But Esther, some of the things I hear, and as a, a former counselor, but now just a citizen and a taxpayer in Burlington, and in the new North End, um, is that already city government has grown over the last few years. Positions have been added. That adds taxpayer money to the budget. It's taxpayer dollars, as the caller said. There are peop- some of us who already feel like the, the city government's grown too much uh, and feel like we need to look at all the departments. We're, we're looking at $3 million in cuts right now that we don't know where they're coming from, but they're, they're, it's being looked at. Um, but you're talking about potentially growing a department. Um, the REIB, now we all support diversity and support, uh, you know, doing whatever we can to stamp out any kind of racism or any kind of isms. But at the same time, that office has had 15 people. It's got a little bit less now, but it's bigger than the state of Vermont's equity office. Why would we need more, if, if that's what you think? Um, the caller said that was in your literature. Why would you think that we need to grow that office more? 
Right. And and thank you for, for digging into this question. Um, so particularly, and I referenced this on my literature, particularly with the, with the REIB, there, there is some gaps. There's gaps in disability justice and there's gaps in LGBTQ uh, justice. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure every, something everyone can agree on, I think, for the most part, because there are always exceptions, is that everybody in Burlington deserves to have everything they need to thrive. Everyone, I, you know, a key part of my campaign is I want everybody to have what they need to feel safe, secure, and supported. And we shouldn't be leaving anyone out of that. Now, am I talking about growing the department by 10 people, even five, even three? No, I think we hire one person that has those skills to address that gap, you know, and, uh, and like I said, you know, not everything has to be funded by property taxes or increased. Another key part of my platform is I think we really need to get away from this regressive property tax-based system. I am looking forward to exploring something based more on income. Uh, you know, people are getting squeezed out of Burlington. I don't think that's right. And I think there's ways we can address that. You would, rather than a property tax, create some kind of a local income tax? Or what exactly do you mean? Uh, no, instead of it being, you know, property-based, you know, it, deciding how much you're paying, you know, it would still be, you know, everybody pays this tax, but it would it would uh, be looking at the income of so what someone makes. So people would still have to pay, but it'd be coming out of one pocket rather than the other, essentially? Uh, I'm not sure... What you mean? Let's lean into this. No, so it would be it would be every person's ability to pay would be addressed, and that would be through their income. So, looking at at uh, the ability, there'd be like a sliding scale. Uh, the more you make, the more the more you would pay. Right. So you know, as I'm talking to my neighbors, people are talking about their tax increases, mm-hmm. and you know, they they moved to Burlington, they bought their house, and the next year their their property tax now has made their house unaffordable yeah. right and so so that's that's just not fair i don't i don't think anybody would agree that that's a good way of doing business and so i think you know people people need to pay their share for sure and just a, just one more little point on that and then we'll move on and get another call but i'm a middle class taxpayer certainly not a wealthy taxpayer nobody will claim that for sure especially me but and i anything that can keep my property taxes low i'm in favor of but at the same time, I do talk to people who are higher income in Burlington, and they are paying a lot because already there's income sensitivity in Vermont, so they pay a lot more. There's a scale in Vermont already that is one of the most progressive in the nation where people that are higher income, and some of them are leaving already because they think Vermont is, is, is if, you have, if you have any kind of wealth, it's tough to live here. It seems like that would make this problem even even more difficult for people that have some higher incomes. Look, I think, you know, when we're talking about housing and affordability, I think every system should be looked at. So I think, you know, we, I think we need to lean in. We need to look at what's causing people to move out. We need to look at what is not working for people, especially with property taxes, paying for all the work we need to get done. And we need to really assess, is this regressive property tax base system the way to do it? Or should it be more of a progressive tax-based system? You know, and the answer may be no, but I think we've got to ask the question. All right, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hey, good morning. And um, First of all, I'll, I'll thank you for, for willing to put your hat in the ring. 
um, trying to to run uh, a city council or uh, any any portion of our government is difficult for anyone because there's there's multiple opinions. Um, I would offer that uh, trying to spend more in our city is is foolhardy. We already don't do a good job with the money that we have, and we continue to spend money on things we can't afford. Um, and I'd like your opinion on how we're going to manage um, property taxes going forward. Uh, with the new bond that we have for the for the high school, um, our, our normal debt service in the in the city of Burlington is about eleven million dollars a year, and in 2025 it's going to jump to 23 million. It's going to more than double for the next two years, and then it more than triples in 2027. The amount of money we're going to have to spend on just paying our debt is going to be huge, and it doesn't return to 2022 levels until 2044. So I'm really interested with when you say you want to get more money that's not from property taxes, how is that even going to work? Because I think the city council and the city as a whole continues to spend money in a foolhardy manner. So I'll hang up and listen to your opinion. Thank you. Lee? Yes. Yeah. Excellent question. Thank you so much. And, and, and thank you. Yes, it is, you know, not the easiest thing in the world to, to run a campaign. So like I said, I really want to get on the Board of Finance if I get on the City Council. And, uh, you know, I agree. I think there is ways that money is being spent that is not the best. I think we I think we can always do better. Uh, I think in, in every aspect of life, we can always aim for better. So yeah, to uh, specifically talk about, well, how do you fund things if you're not getting it from property tax? Like I said, every year there are funds and grants earmarked in the the federal and state budgets that you can utilize for different programs. I think we need people on the council who are laser focused on capturing all, all the funds available to us. Cause I, I know it's not being captured now. We also need to look at how we're paying for things that is very important. Um, you know, and so I think we need people to, that have the experience. I have that experience. Like I said, I've helped to manage millions of dollars in public funds on the Parks and Rec Commission, and I'm ready to bring that experience to the city council. Done on the ballot. How would you have voted if you had been on the council? Yes, uh, I think this is actually a really important thing to for, for everyone to think about because I think it challenges our views on democracy. So uh, for listeners who aren't aware, uh, the city has this process where you can – Citizens can gather petitions. I believe the number is 1,500 signatures. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on the current number, but it's a certain percentage of our population. They can gather those signatures and try to get something on the ballot. Uh, if it's a charter change, automatically will go on the ballot. The council gets to decide the language. If it's not involving a charter change, the council gets to vote whether or not this goes on the ballot. These folks gathered the requisite amount of signatures. It went in front of the council. And while the council has the ability to vote to add it or not add it, I feel, you know, considering democracy, I think, I think, in, in, except in extreme cases, I think things should be going on the ballot if it has the number of signatures. Now, Joan Shannon, I heard her answer at a UVM debate just last Thursday, and her answer was, I think she was addressing the what you just said, the extreme example. She said she normally votes to put them on the ballot. She started out. Uh, believing this one should go on the ballot, but after listening to people, including the uh, dire concerns of the Jewish community in Burlington, that it was going to create uh, created more fear in their community, created extreme divisiveness. Uh, why do you not think this one met 
that extreme uh, exception to, to not go on the ballot. People felt like it was tilted to one side. It took a side for Palestine, and it created a great, great amount of concern from our many Jewish residents in Burlington. Right. So, yeah, and I have heard those concerns so in, in the lead up to this, I actually did my own engagement. I talked to stakeholders on both sides, uh, lead, religious leaders. You know, I, I talked to people gathering signatures and I talked to people opposing it. So, you know, I did my best to inform myself. And, and I understand that there are topics that are, there, that are upsetting, that bring up a lot of emotions, I think we really need to lean in and have these discussions. I, you know, what I would have liked to see, I would have liked to see the council host some uh, discussion forums about this that weren't tied directly to the vote. I believe strongly that when we when we push things into the dark and we don't lean in and talk about it, that's where rhetoric festers. So, how about having those discussions but not put it on the ballot? I think you know, like, like I said. The, the citizens gathered the requisite number of signatures. I, I just really would have liked to see more community engagement um, about this. Uh, I think, you know, when you're talking about something at, at the uh, table at city council, you know, when you're speaking in public forum, you know, that's, it, it's extremely difficult. It brings up a lot of emotions. And I, I think, uh, I think there would have been, you know, clearer heads on all sides if we were talking in more of a community forum setting. We got time for one more call, but you got to make it a quick question. Make okay. it concise. All right, caller, you're live on the air. Uh, uh, regarding funding, again, you mentioned that you want to be on the on the on the uh, funding board or whatever it's called. I I my issue with everything that you talked about is is, is funding. You say everyone, everyone needs to be addressed. This state is one that keeps trying to do that and finds out they can't do it. What, what are you going to change on the, on the funding council that's going to make this possible? I, I, I don't get it. Okay, we got we to go to it. We're almost out of time. Lee? I'm sorry, I didn't quite uh, hear that. Uh, he's talking about the funding problem in Vermont generally and saying what are you going to do about the... about If you're on the finance committee, what, what, how, how could you change the funding problem right uh so yes if i'm if i'm on the board of, of finance i will bring my experience uh managing public funds i will reanalyze everything on on how the city is funding things and what we're funding and look at uh funds we may be missing from the federal and state government and real quickly uh would you have liked to have seen the charter change on policing uh, go on the ballot the one that was going to have a charter change which would have given more power to the police commission I would have liked to see citizens vote on it. But it may come back later. Would you have had it on the police commission actually said they thought it was not ready? You know, I'm uh, interested to see what the police commission says, and hopefully we get it on the November ballot. Governor Scott, tomorrow. Okay, thanks for coming in, Lee. And we'll be back tomorrow right here on News Talk WVMT, Burlington. From ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. All of a sudden, it felt like an earthquake in my house, but from above, thought that the tree had gone entirely through the uh, wall of my house. One of many in Southern California dealing with another day of torrential downpours that have triggered mudslides and fallen trees like that one in Santa Rosa. In Los Angeles County, ABC's Matt Gutman says the weather has killed at least one person. In Santa Barbara, authorities reporting...